faith, but we're to prove that we have faith by works. And I want you to notice in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. I'm going to read verse 20 and maybe down to about verse 23. If you have your Bible, we find that after God had revealed to Daniel uh, the secret of the king's vision, that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now, I believe, people, we ought to bless his name. I believe we ought to praise him. Brother, if God does something for you, don't be ashamed of it. Let folks know what the Lord's done for you. And so he begins to bless the Lord. Notice what the Bible said, verse 20. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and forever, for wisdom and might are his. For he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and, in, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, uh, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. I want you to notice, if you will, in verse 21. Where it says, and the God of heaven, or the Lord he's talking about, removeth kings and setteth up kings. Which is, uh, underscore that. Somebody said, oh, I tell you, Brother Mays, what's going to happen if Mr. Ford stays in? He'll stay in as long as God wants him to stay in. And when God gets through with him, why, he'll get off, see? And my Bible said God puts them up and God takes them down. But I want you to notice in James chapter 5, if you'll turn to the New Testament, we'll read, beginning with verse 1. And we'll read down through verse 6, and then we'll have prayer, and I'll bring you the message. I want you to notice, if you have your Bible open, in James 5, he said, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl, for your misery shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is tankered. Now, I want to stop there long enough. In my and your generation, we've witnessed that. Silver is not worth much anymore. And there's a shortage on it. And gold, when they said we're going to open up gold, they thought they'd have a rush for it. And they found out Atlanta, Georgia, the first national bank, the only bank that sold gold. Uh, The other day when they opened it up for sale, they said we're sorry, sorry we ever handled it. Said we've lost money because it's not going to bring what we thought it would. And there's not a rush on it. Listen to what the Bible said. Said there come a time uh, when your silver and your gold is tankered now. And the rust of them uh, shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as you were fire. You have heaped the treasures together for the last days. But the higher the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is in your, uh, which, which you keep back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of them which are, have reaped are entered in the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You've lived in pleasure on earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now would you look back just a moment, and you'll find that he's giving condemnation upon those that would be extortioners, those that would heap up riches, those in the last days that would go out crazy after money. In just a moment, I'm going to bring you the message on uh, the great takeover, and I believe that God will speak to your heart, but I want you to bow for just a word of prayer, if you will. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to pray, and then bring you the message today on the great takeover. And I believe if you'll pray that God will speak to your heart. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you pray 
Would you just ask the Lord to speak to you while I bring the message in just a few moments on the big takeover. But before I uh, uh, preach, I want to pray. Father, we thank you for this congregation that's come. We thank you for the Spirit of the Lord and for the good singing. And our Father, we thank you that we can open up the Word of God and know that you're God. I'm glad today that whatever betides, that our trust is in God. And may we recognize that it is the Lord that puts them on the phone and takes them off of the phone. It's God who's still running the matter. And so I pray that you'd help us to recognize that. Bless our hearts together. And may the Lord be glorified on this hour. And Father, all that's accomplished, every soul that's saved, every heart that's blessed, we'll praise thee because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak to you this afternoon on the great takeover. And I would recognize that somebody said, Preacher, will there be a takeover? I'm sure that every one of you recognize that after the rapture, the Antichrist is going to take over. And then after the tribulation, the Lord Jesus is coming back to take over. And for a thousand years there will be peace and tranquility upon the earth. But did you know I'm so glad that in this day, which we live in the closing of the church age, that God is still on the throne. Why you talk to some preachers and you think God is dead. You go to some churches and you don't know whether God's alive or not. But I'm glad when I go to church and the Spirit of the Lord begins to bless and heaven gets real then I say hallelujah I know that he's still watching over us and he's still blessing his people but here we find old Daniel you know they they got the soothsayers and the Chaldeans and the mighty men and said can you tell what the king dreamed old Daniel he didn't have to get all that crowd of committees together he wasn't a Baptist he'd have got a committee together and so he just got on his knees and got to talking to heaven and brother God reveal it. And when God revealed it to him, he jumped up and said, Blessed be the God of heaven. He said, I'm going to take time to bless the Lord. I was preaching the other night, and I said, let's just take time to love Jesus a little bit tonight. I said, let's stop preaching and stop thinking about whether or not you, 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 you close the fence door, or whether or not your tires flat or your meat's going to burn, or whether you're going to get to go to work. I said, let's take time just to stop and make a little to the Lord. And brother, we got the loving Jesus. And heaven became real. Oh, Daniel said in the midst of all this, I'm going to bless his name. I'm going to take time out to give glory to God Almighty. And I'm glad. You know what he said? He said, don't it upset you when you think that Nebuchadnezzar's on the phone. He said, but I want to tell you something. God that I serve was the one that let him get up there. And God that took him off of that throne. And I want to say this. God God did take him off of the throne. And for seven years, that fellow had, to, had a heart like a beast, and his hair grew like feathers. Somebody asked me what it looked like, and I said, it looks like one of these ladies with a Tony home permit. But anyway, I want to tell you, what's the truth, brother? He's out there in the field, the Bible said, for seven years. The Jews fell on him every morning. And for seven years, the Word of God says that he ate grass like a cow. But after seven years, he humbled himself. And God came and picked him up and put him back on the phone. And God said, little children, I want to remind you of something. When I get ready to put him up, I put him up. And when I get ready to take him down, I can take him down. And isn't that a blessing? But I came to the fifth chapter of the book of James, and he talks about the rich. And I want to give you three things about Mr. Takeover, Rocky, uh, 
and Nelson and Rocky fellow. They called him Rocky. And somebody said, well, don't you believe he's going to take over? I want to tell you something. In the mind of Nelson Rocky fellow, he's going to take over. But if God says no, Rocky, you think that then Rocky won't take over. But in his mind, he's going to run things. And anything that Rocky fellow's ever touched, you listen. Whether it's been in the state of New York, whether it's been Standard Oil, everything that Rocky fellow has ever touched, he's run it. I want you to know, my friend, in the back of his mind today, he wants to run this country. And he's waiting on 76. And he says, I'm going to take over. But before I give the message about some things that's going to try to take over, let me give you three things that's wrong with Rocky fellow. Write them down. First of all, he's a liberal. And as I said last night, the only thing I like liberal is a liberal giver. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something. I don't like liberals in the pulpit. I don't like liberals. I like old-fashioned conservatives. A man wrote me the other day and said, Are you saying to be called a fundamentalist? I said, No. I'm glad that I'm an independent Baptist. I'm glad that I'm a fundamental Baptist. I'm glad, praise God, I believe the Bible as it is and preach it to me and as they are. I'm glad that I believe heaven's heaven. Why, you ask some of these preachers in Greensboro if they believe that there's a real heaven and they'll say, Well, maybe that's a utopia somewhere. You know what that means? A state of happiness. I don't believe there's a utopia. I believe there's a city that's 1,500 miles everywhere you look. And it's got streets of gold. And it's got walls of jasper. And praise the Lord! It's got 12 gates. Somebody said, a lady asked me one night down torture, said, which one are you going in? I said, I don't know, sister. I'm mean, going in all 12 of them. Gets excited. Run in and out all 12 of them. Hallelujah! I believe they want to believe. Something. Mr. Rockefeller said, I'm liberal. I believe in abortion. I tell you what I believe about abortion. I believe it's murder. Legalized murder. Mr. Rockefeller says, I believe that we ought to give to those poor, poor people that don't, they won't work. I believe if you're an able-bodied man and you can work, bless God, you ought to work a star today. Say amen. My Bible said Oh, Stephen, if you're going to live, you need to work. And I believe this with all of my soul. If a man's not willing to work and he can work, I believe it's a shame for the government to keep him up. There's a mouse that's liberal about Mr. Rockefeller. He says it's all right to smoke a little marijuana and that we ought to revise the laws. And we ought to be so hard on the dope addicts and the dope pushers. Now I want to tell you something, brother. It's time we declare war upon the dope and the dope and the marijuana and everything else. But he's a liberal. And I'm against these fellows that are liberals. We need some good old-fashioned conservatism. Oh, I like that. Now, number two. He's a secret Jew. Would you write this down, please? G-R-E-N-D-E-S. Would you write it down? It was written by Jews. And go to your library, get that book, Grandees. Would you do that for me? And if you look, you'll find the Rocky fellows are secret Jews. I don't know why he's ashamed of it. Bless God, if I was a Jew, I wouldn't be ashamed of it. I'd let folks know. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was a Jew. God said, I'll bless him that bless him. And I'll curse him that curse him. I'm not ashamed of it. Well, you know what I do every time I pass an old Jew in Atlanta? I grab around and say, God bless you, brother. Somebody said, why? God said, I'll bless you if you bless him. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. 
I say, run it off on me, bud. Yes, sir. I thought the book says, God said, I'll bless you. If you're a blessing, and you're something else, God said, He said, I'll curse you if you curse him. And you better not touch the Jew. But here, Mr. Rockefeller comes along and according to this Jewish historian, and according to this Jewish literary critic, he says, Mr. Rockefeller and his family came from Portugal, and that originally they were Jewish people. And I'll tell you, any man's ashamed of what he is, I don't have much confidence in him. Amen. I'll tell you, if I was a colored man, I wouldn't be ashamed of being colored. And if I believe there's a white man, I shouldn't be ashamed of my race. God help these folks that are ashamed, and some of you are ashamed that you're an old-fashioned Christian. You'll get, you know, you'll get up here in front of somebody tomorrow and they'll say, Are you say, well, I go out here faith Baptist church. Why don't you stand up and look at my eye and say, Bless God, I'm not, I want you to know I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but it's the power of God and the salvation. Everyone that believeth that, the Jew first and also the Greek. And here's the third thing about Mr. Rockefeller. He's power hungry, and he believes he can buy it with money. Let me tell you something, friends. The best things in life, you can't buy with money. Glory to God in the Lamb forever. You can't buy salvation with money. You can't buy the Holy Ghost with money. Oh, you can't buy my friend's happiness with money. I'm down in Florida. Well, in last summer, I went down to sit with Roy Bigger. He said, you see that third house down there? I said, boy, ain't that a nice one? He said, you ain't kidding me. that's nice. He said, there are only two people over there, a maid and a gardener. said, that house cost at least a half a million dollars. And he said, he only comes there maybe once a year. He puts on dark glasses, and he wears a hat down over his eyes so they won't know that his name's Elvis Presley. Said that's his home. Said he's got all that money, but he's miserable. Said he thought he could get fame. And all that, but that won't bring happiness. The night I got saved and see Dormitorium Hillsborough Street down in Raleigh, North Carolina, let me tell you something. I don't know whether I had a nickel or not, but I cried out to the Lord. And I'm glad. Said you're not saved. Are redeemed with such stuff as silver and gold? But with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad I'm saved. But men get power hungry. And men, they're dangerous. You take deacons when they get power hungry. They're dangerous in the church. You take preachers in some convention that get power hungry. They're dangerous. I believe, bless the Lord, we ought to be what God wants us to be. Here's Mr. Rockefeller. He's power hungry and wealthy. Now, you say, preacher, will he invade? I'll give you that into goals, but let me give you some things quickly. You write them down, and then I'll let you go home. I believe there's a spirit of takeover in this country. And I'm going to give you some things I believe trying to take over. First of all, the spirit of rebellion's trying to take over. Just as sure as my name's Mays Jackson, there's rebellion everywhere you look today. There's rebellion against the government. There's rebellion in the church. There's rebellion in the home. It's pitiful that your little girl can stand up and tell you she'll not do it. It's pitiful. Somebody said, but I've got a generation gap. Get your belt and close that gap, bless God. Amen. I tell you folks run around making me sick. Talking about, I never forget one time I was with a big old preacher and had a mustache. That's back for some, for some of you other fellas ever thought about him. Mustaches. He had a mustache, he's a red big old fella. And I was with him and he had a little boy and he said, Honey, close the door. That little boy said, I ain't going to do it. And he said, I said for you to close that door. He said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I said, to call it on. He said, I'm not going to do it. 
I said, Preacher, run into me for five minutes. He said, What would he do? I said, He'd go in the door slamming business, bless God. I'll tell you what to do if I got a hold of him. Yes, sir, he'd close every door, bless God, in this county. Now, you talk about closing doors. There wouldn't be a door in the county wouldn't be shut. That's right. And yet, you talk about, people talk about rebellion and the spirit of rebellion's own. Let me show you something. Do you want to be blessed of the Lord? It's the humble, it's the contrast. Oh, when you get blessed. Isn't that wonderful? I'm glad, brother, when I get down humble before God, God blesses me. When I get down on my stomach, and I begin to weep before the Lord, and I say, Lord, I'm not worthy of your blessings. I'm not worthy of all you've given me. Then about that time, I, I hear heaven. Woo! Praise the Lord. And about that time, brother, it gets foggy, and heaven gets real. And brother, when we humble ourselves on the mighty hand of God, brother, we can be blessed. Brother Jess can tell you this is so. We used to get out there and go tell them. We used to have the office times you ever, you've never been. And some of you folks would get scared to death if you got something like this. Lord God, I mean, it's dangerous up there. I've never been to the Talladega 500. I've never been to the Indianapolis 500. I've never been to Atlanta 500. But I've been to the Holy Ghost 500 down there. You talk about a time we'd have it. Oh, listen. I mean, one night was praying behind Pelham Church and 65 Baptist preachers. And we were just up praying. And everybody seemed humble. I never forget, Brother Sider said, Ray, how about you preaching? I, I said, no, I'm over here behind a tree. I just wanna, I just wanna stay behind. He said, preach! I said, I can't see how to take a text. He said, quote one and start preaching. And I jumped up and quoted something. I don't even know how to quote it. And I started preaching and those preachers started running. You've never seen the beating all of your life. They ran around, they ran around, they're so hollering and a hooping. One of them climbed the tree. And I said, Lord God, this is the wildest path I've ever seen. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, May I'll humble you. <laughs> oh, when somebody tomorrow asks you who's up that tree, he'll humble you. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. I met one of my high-brow friends the next day, and he said, man, I understand that y'all got a little excited last night. I said, no, you understand wrong. I said, we got as wild as you can get last night. I said, a preacher climbed a tree, and he said, don't tell me. I said, yeah, you ought to be mine. I said, bless God, there's a passion me. Oh, but let me tell you something. There was the spirit of humility. And when people get down off the high horses, and when people in our churches get to the place, they'll humble themselves on the mighty hand of God. Let me tell you something. They'll come revival. God cannot bless a rebellious and proud generation. And it's wrong as we rebellious against God, and rebellious against God's men, and rebellious against the book, and rebellious against the Holy Spirit. We'll not see the blessings of God. But to, listen, there's a spirit of rebellion trying to take over in this country. Number two, there's a spirit, secondly, of demonism that's trying to take over. Let me show you something. I was over the other day in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You ever been in Gatlinburg? I know some of you. <laughs> but you didn't go there for the same purpose I went. I went there for a revival. They put me over on Twin Island Motel. I was over there and the fellow owned the place that belonged to the church while I was in a meeting. He knocked on my door. And one morning he said, Mr. Jackson, I've left my car out here for you to drive. And I looked out as a Cadillac, and I thought, well, praise God, I like that. Hallelujah. I said, boy, if that thing ever has any kids, I want one of them Cadillacs. I said, I sure did. I said, hallelujah. But I'll tell you what he said. He said, I want to take you up to this museum. I said, what kind of museum? He said, Brother Mays, I want to take you up to the Witchcraft Museum. 
And you know what I did? I didn't go with them. I was afraid. I was afraid. I asked the preacher, I said, A.C., I said, have you ever been in that witchcraft museum? He said, yeah, but he said, I'll never go in again. He said, I could feel demoniac powers. I could feel the power of demons. He said, that witchcraft business is nothing, brother, me, but demonism. Now, I want to tell you, demonism is trying to take over this country. All these old mysteries and beyond the grave stories and digging up dead bodies. Oh, you say, preacher, why is that? All this stuff about Satan worship. All this stuff of bowing down to Satan is demonism. Now, let me show you something. I, I, I didn't know what this was. I was down in Florida. And my wife and I were sitting in a little waffle house. The only place we could find to eat down it didn't have beer, wine, liquor. So I said, okay, we'll eat the waffle house. We was eating in there. A highness of somebody. You know, when I'm going down the road, you know, I used to be polite to a lady. But you can't tell whether it's a lady or a man now to be polite. Say amen. Bless God, you have to give a medical examination to find out who this uh, he or she is. That's right. Now, you put that down. Well, when you go down the street, you better not toot your horn. You, you don't know whether you're tooting your horn at a woman or a man. You can't tell. But I, that God said, look at that for the next, next book. And, and I finally did. And he had a, a thing in his ear. And she said, you know what that means? I said, no, I don't know what that means. And she told me. But the other day in Atlanta, Georgia, we saw something we've never seen. And I said, uh-oh. Oh! God saw it, and I didn't see it for her. She said, look at those two ni nice-dressed women, and boy, they were nicely dressed. But they had diamonds in their nose, sticking out their nose. They had, they had a little pin, and it, it pierced their noses, and they had diamonds in their noses. And I said, Lord, have mercy. They'll get a bone next. <laughs> like cannibals. And I said, it's, it's just, I don't know what we're going to see, brother. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't know what you call that. When a woman puts a, a pierces her nose and goes in there and pulls a dull diamond out and wears a diamond on her nose. My wife said to me, Mace, now you're so smart. What is that? I said, honey, I didn't graduate in that kind of stuff. I, I can't tell you what that means. But I got home. I'm not thinking about it. All these strange things that we're seeing. Oh! demonian power to begin to sweep this country. Now I tell you that, listen, demons are trying to take over our nation. And demons will attack you. But I'm glad greater is he that's in you than he that's of the world. And brother, if you're saved, you don't have anything to worry about. God will be in you. Now number three, strange flesh is trying to take over. There's nothing so beautiful as that time when a bride comes down the aisle and there's a wedding. And oh, there's nothing so beautiful as that home. And the Bible said it, the bed is undefiled. And marriage is honorable in all. And it's God's plan that a woman and a man get married. And that they bring forth children in this world. That's God's plan. But I want to tell you, they're twisting this thing now. And they're bringing this strange flesh. It says in Jude verse 7. This is what it says. It says that God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah because of a strange flesh. And I want to tell you that's the strength. It's just invading our country. They're teaching boys to love boys and girls to love girls now. And they're saying, you don't have to get married. Find you one of your own kind. And oh, 
they're going to strange place in providence sin under God and God Almighty is never pleased with it. somebody said don't you believe in these gay uh, liberation movements no I don't I believe it's time for preachers to get in their pulpits and cry out against it brother and preach against it I don't believe in this Lisbonism I don't believe in this gay business I believe that God has a plan and God has a purpose and brethren we need to go by God's plan and God's purpose but it's taken over this country you know out there in Decatur where I live and I'm ashamed of this I'm ashamed of this they got a picture show that they turned into a gay church and they got a gay preacher they tell me I thought in a paper where they invited everybody that wanted to come and the other day uh, a precious young lady the daughter of some good friends of mine L.D. Rachel's daughter looked out one of the windows where she's working in the business because they started in one reached over and kissed the other right in the mouth. And she said, Mother, it made me feel awful. Awful! And she said, the people up in my office just laughed about it. They didn't think anything about it. You know why? Because we've got so many back-scratching, ear-ticking, compromising, sugar-coating preachers that haven't exposed that sin. Until, brother, they're used to it, and they don't think anything about it. But I want to tell you something. We've got strange fleshes everywhere. Everywhere do you know that? Everywhere you look. Why, it, it, it's strange flesh. It costs you to take off your clothes after you've grown and run naked. Did you know that? This streak in Venice. I had an old guy down the lounge sitting four years old. You know what he'd do? He'd get out there in the park every night and streak. 74 years old, and the newspaper said he wouldn't write anything. I told my wife I'd like to get me a board about that wide, and bless God, I'd like to get behind a tree. And when that old seven, eight-year-old said before you old man ran out, streaking, I'd hit him. He might not wear any clothes, but he'd wear a blister for three weeks. I'll guarantee you. Yes, sir, just as sure as your name what it is. And my name is Brother Mays. But brother, you say preacher, the great takeover. There's, a, there's the spirit of strange fashion takeover. Now, Number four, there's a spirit of Phariseeism, a man-made religion taking this country. Oh, listen, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 23, Whoa! Under the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites. And brother, they want to be religious today, but they don't want to come to Jesus. They want to have their little religion, play religion, go to church. They want to be sociable. They want to say, I belong to the Baptist church. I belong to the Methodist church. But they don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. The Pharisees and the scribes, brother. They were Jesus' enemies. And I want to tell you this bunch in green spa that preaches everything but the blood and preaches everything but the blessed hope and the book preaches this social gospel and says you can be saved and you can come and be elevated into the kingdom of God. That's a lie out of the pits of the damned. And we better have somebody stand up and preach against this Phariseeism and against this religion without God. It's pitiful. But there's a lot of churches and God's not around them. And they preach a, a gospel of works and of humanitarianism. They want to take the deity of deify themselves and they want to be religious and leave God out. Now I want to tell you the greatest thing that can happen to a human being is when he sees himself lost and without God and he comes to Jesus and God saves him. I want to show you something here quickly. I never will forget it. It's about 32 years later, 33 years ago now. I went down to Hillsborough Street. I got off of conviction. I said, hey, do you boys know when I can get saved? They said, no. No! And I want to tell you, I couldn't find a church in, down in Raleigh. I'd get saved. And I was looking for one. Brother, I was looking for a place to get saved. 
Oh, I went to some church and preached. We're glad to have you. mean you go to state? Yeah, I said, yeah, I'll go to state. But I, I said, no, I'm burdened. I, I need God. Oh, you go out to state college? I said, yes, I go out to Old Hills first. You know where it is. And I said, I said, but I need God. And he said, oh, you just come down here. And at least I went to the Methodist. <laughs> they won't sprinkle water on me. And I knew that wouldn't do any good. So bless God, I, I didn't want that. I went to the Methodist. All they won't do is get me. I knew that wouldn't. So brother, you know what I did one night? About a quarter to nine. God got a hold of me, and I said, Lord, I'm not leaving. See, I'm a tour room 813 till you save me. And praise God, I'm glad I knelt down on my knees. And God saved me by His wonderful grace. And I went back to some of those churches in Raleigh, and they said, Oh, oh. And I, the dean called me in. He said, You're in the wrong school. <laughs> Bless God, I couldn't find the right church. I couldn't find the right school. You talk about an oddball. I was an oddball. And you know what he wrote? He typed my daddy a letter. And said, you better check your son. He's off his rocker. <laughs> and brother, when I pulled up on that train in Biltmore, North Carolina, just out of Asheville, daddy was standing there and he said, how are you feeling, son? I said, the best you ever saw. <laughs> And he thought, Lord, God, something's happening to you. He said, are you off your rocker? I said, no, I just got in. Happy praise God, but I got saved. And I said, you, the Lord, bless me so good. And I was happy with it. And I went up to some of those churches, and I said, you know, I'm saved. And they looked at me like, saved? What is that? And they looked at me like, that. you need to go down here to Morganton. Uh, you need to go down here uh, uh, to Cap Butner. There's something emotionally upset about you. And I want to tell you what upset about me, the Holy Ghost went down here and got a hold of my heart, bless God, and cleansed me in the blood of Jesus, and I was born the second time, and God became real in salvation, it was so real I could have to tell it everywhere I went, and people said, oh, I'll tell you, the church is actually afraid of me. I went to some of the churches. They said, you better watch old Jackson. They said, he's going to run past him. <laughs> I said, glory to God. I'll run past it, but I'm glad I'm saved. And I'm glad I'm happy in Jesus. What a blessing. And I want to tell you the biggest curse that you'll find in this city. Let me say this. Say you work up here at Sears Roebuck. You're back there in the practice department tomorrow. You go in and say, folks, I got saved. Are you going to go over here to uh, any of these plants? And you tell them, say, I got saved. And 99% of those church members say, oh, 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 you did what? And you say, boy, I think yesterday I trusted Jesus. And the bird left me, and I'm going to heaven. And they'll say, uh-oh, you better, you better, better watch him. You better watch him. I say, are you, oh, yeah, I'm a Methodist. I go every Sunday morning. I sing the dog song. I got my little program. And I'm, I'm a Baptist. I'm Episcopalian. I'm a Presbyterian. And when folks start talking like that, you know they're not saved. But bless God when you meet one in the morning and he looks you right now and says, go in a God, I can take you to the place, I can take you to the time that the Lord saved me by his wonderful grace. You'll know that there's a difference in that man. And you'll know that he's saved and that he's born again. And I'll say, I can just almost tell by looking at you when you get saved. It'll show on your face, you know that. Brother Ronnie said when he we prayed the other night, 50 men at least back there prayed for his mother-in-law. That man had a bitter rest. He said the next morning when Doc came in the room, that's his wife, he said, I knew that she'd been sleeping on the arms of Jesus. She looked rested. Said, look like the sun didn't come up outside. It came up in her face. Oh, 
all you see, listen, let me tell you something. When you get saved, you can tell it, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, when you really get saved, you can tell it. But there, listen, there's such Phariseeism trying to invade this country. But listen, there's something else trying to take over in this country. No, it's a Phariseeism. But that's confusion. That's trying to, oh, listen, I mean, the devil knows he's got this thing confused. And he's more and more. Now, I know some of you are going to get mad as the devil, but you can get mad as the devil because I'm going to give you three things that's dangerous and people are confused about. And if you let the devil confuse you with these three things, you'll never be a happy Christian. Listen to me. Number one, hyper-Calvinism. Put that down. It's sovereignty of God with you having nothing to do with it. I want to tell you, I believe that God's sovereign, that God is all-powerful, that God knows everything. I don't believe that God predestined them to go to heaven and predestined them to go to hell. I believe he knew. I believe he had foreknowledge. I'm glad he said, Mace, I'm going to give you an opportunity to believe, oh my son. And brother, let me tell you something. If you believe that only the very elect of God, oh, you go out here and start, it'll dry you up. It'll take the joy out of you. And brother, it'll die up in eternity. Hyper-Calvinism will kill you. I'll tell you what's the truth. I'm so glad I'm going to get everybody safe. I can. I'm going to weep over everybody I can. And brother, we ought to do that. But this hyper-Calvinism will kill you, and you need to stay away from it. Number two, charismatic movement. That'll kill you. Now, I said this last Sunday. I won't say it again because you may not know what it is. I want to help you today. I know a preacher gets up and he says, charismatic movement. And I said, how many of you know what I mean when I say charismatic movement? So I'm going to ask you again today. And I didn't preach a sermon last Sunday, but I did mention this. How many of you? Here in this church do not know what the preacher says when he says charismatic movement. If you don't know, lift your hand and I'll tell you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Charismatic movement is a new brand of Pentecostalism that slips in and tells you that you're not baptized with the Holy Ghost unless you speak in a tongue that's far anything you've ever heard. And it's a, it's a Pentecostal movement, not of the old brand, but it's a new brand. And it'll confuse you. And it'll get you thinking you've got to speak in some kind of foreign language. Let me tell you something. I have a hard enough term with this language. And I'm not worried about another language. No, sorry. I tell you, I'm not worried about it. I hear a lot of folks say, well, preacher, I'm seeking at the toes, not me. I'm seeking a battle for the one of God. Say amen right there. You'll find a lot of people, brother, run over this country, and they're so confused. What good did you do to speak in tongues? But nobody can understand you. I'll tell you one thing I get through with you. You won't have to get a dictionary to find out what I said. <laughs> yes, sir, I believe a preacher ought to preach a plain brother that everybody knows what he's preaching. But you want me to tell you what's going to rob a lot of your joy? Somebody's going to come up to you and say, you ain't got it all. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's some more. Well, I know that, but I'm not going to get it out of the same judge they get it out of. Say amen. Bless God, I'm not going the same way they're going. I've been too far down the road of the old-fashioned fundamental faith to listen to anyone. I want to give you a little illustration to show you it's wrong. You know, the only people that spoke in tongues in Corinthians were a bunch that's going to court and a bunch of babies. And a bunch of folks said they had to have that as sign. I don't have to have that. I've got the complete canon of the scripture, and I've got the uh, witness of the Holy Ghost and the power of God, and I don't need that. So we better watch it. You better watch it. Now we're forgetting our first start preaching, and it won't do you any good if you came up and asked me, because I'll tell you what I did here. He came up and he said, Brother Lee, if you'll go in a certain Pentecostal group, and if you'll preach a certain Pentecostal doctrine, 
you can write your own check. We'll put you in a Cadillac. We'll see that you never want for anything. I said, wait a minute, mister. You, you don't know Nate Stacks. I don't preach Baptist doctrine because everybody pays me. I preach what I preach out of the Bible because I believe it's in the Bible, and I wouldn't preach if you'd give me 49 Cadillacs. And I'm not against the Cadillac. I like to ride the Cadillac. If Drew get his heart right, he'd ride me more against Cadillac. I'm not against that. Amen, brother. I'm not against it. Listen to me. But I'll tell you, when I've got to compromise what I believe and get up and preach something that I don't believe, uh, listen, and have money that way, listen, you can keep your money. But I believe, brother, I'll preach it whether I get any money or not. But I believe, brother, I'll preach it. Whether folks agree or folks don't agree. But the man said, if you'll just come over. I said, mister, I couldn't come over. I'd be a hypocrite. I said, let me tell you something. What I preach, I don't care whether the Baptist likes it or not. I believe it's the Bible. What I preach, I don't care whether the Methodist likes it. I believe it's the Bible. And I said, I can lie down and die by what I preached. And I said, there's confusion, the charismatic movement. My previous second, now number three. I'll get the rest of it. If you didn't get mad on that, you'll get a little bit, you know, miffed at this. Listen to this. Somebody said, what is it? It's easy to believe this just get them in the church and say, you believe he just died and get them a Roman road. This that's not worth a dime. That's not to be holy against conviction. Oh, listen to me, brother. You've got to get disturbed about your soul. And there's got to be a consciousness that you're lost and you're without God and you're without hope and you're without mercy. I wouldn't give you a dime for folks that come up and say, brother me, I believe Jesus died. Devil believes that. Devil believes that. Devil believes that. I know the best thing in the world you can do is show a sinner how to get saved. I'm not against the Roman road. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, when he's not under conviction, don't grab him on the road. Stick your and, and say, will you believe that guy? The man waiting on the bus, he's not going to get saved. I'll get your church to cram full of folks that never have known what it is to get them saved. Then, brother, when they come to Jesus and are born by the Holy Ghost, then, brother, this mental action of head religion and mental belief of sin of the hell, it better get way deep down in here. And that's hard. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Are you listening? Listen, it's down here that counts. Down here that transforms you. And I want to tell you, you know why you got so many folks here coming August meeting, and I get tired of these August meetings. And you think, brother, saying and, and you can't find them in September. The guy up here didn't get it down there, bud. You let a man really get saved, and he'll be there in October. <laughs> Praise God, he'll be shouting in December. You let a man really get saved and born again. But we're living in the most confused age you've ever seen. Let me give them to you again. Number one, the hyper-Calvinism, that'll kill you. Number two, charismaticism, that'll kill you. Number three, easy believe or something. That'll get more folks confused than you've ever seen. We need to get folks to, to come with the holy law of God and show them that the law is the schoolmaster, the man of Christ, and they can't save themselves, and they have to be saved in the heart, I believe, in the heart and confession of their mouth. But this country's been taken over by these three things. Let's come on. Here's the next thing. I believe that... The world will be taken over, and he's taken over now. Are you listening to me? Now, some of you won't agree with this. It's all right. I won't fall out with it. But our nation has been taken over by the spirit of the Antichrist. And I said, I don't believe that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7 said, And the spirit of iniquity doth already work. The spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. I'm going to give you something. Hold it. We won't know who he is. 
I'm going up in the rapture. <laughs> and when he rides in, I'm, I'm already gone. He'll say, where's all mace? They'll say, well, he went with the bride. Yes, sir. Let me tell you, I'm not going to be here when the Antichrist is revealed. I believe that there will be a tribulation after the rapture of the church of seven years. And the man of sin will be revealed. But I want to show you something now. Get this. I believe before the rapture and before the tribulation that the spirit of the Antichrist will be at work. The stage is being set today. Let me show you. There's a counterfeit Godhead. There's a counterfeit church. There's a counterfeit spirit. There's a counterfeit salvation. There's a counterfeit joy. All of this is the spirit of the Antichrist that's working in these days to confuse folks. Now, folks, you better not get confused. Oh, but this spirit of the Antichrist is taking over this country. Everywhere you look, you'll see the spirit of Antichrist at work. Now, don't go out and say that Brother May said the Antichrist is here now. He may be somewhere in the world. I don't know. But nobody will know who he is until the church is gone. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God, I'll be gone. But I've got news for you. I'll be back. Hallelujah. Say amen. Bless God, I'm coming back. I never have been a horse. Much to ride horses, but I've got a fight when I'm going to ride. And I'm coming back. Amen. That's sorry, I'm coming back. You know, I live in a place called DeKalb County, Georgia. DeKalb County is what they call it. That's the name of it. You know, I get some funny calls once in a while. I got a call several years ago saying, Hello? Is this Dr. Jackson? I said, No, ma'am. I'm not even a practical nurse, much less a doctor. But, but it, and she said, Oh, is this Reverend Jackson? I said, No, ma'am. This is not Reverend Jackson. I said, This is Brother Mays. <laughs> and she, she, her tongue got pushed up. She couldn't say a thing. I, you've never seen such a confused woman. And I said, lady, can I help you? She said, I'm head of the DeKalb County Saddle Club. I'd like for you to join. I said, lady, you're too late. I've already joined the Saddle Club. She said, which one do you belong to? I said, it's in Revelation 19, where he's coming back on white horses. I'm from that city. I want you to know something on this afternoon. Praise the Lord. I'm going to come back. And he that said within thousands of his saints. I'm glad, brother, listen. Oh, I'm coming back with Christ in power and great glory. But the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. Now, here's the last thing. Quickly, and I want to give you, and then we'll close and summarize it up. This world is being taken over one day by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is already moving. Some churches are already this church here, for instance, God is already moving. I believe days to come, the Spirit of the Lord will move more and more in the church. And I know that the prophecy of Joel was not fulfilled on the day of Pentecost completely. It says in Joel chapter 2, I in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. I believe that's yet to come with most of it. I believe God's going to pour His Spirit out. I tell you, Mr. Shipman, I want to be a candidate to be blessed by the power of the Spirit to preach the Word and get people to the Lord Jesus. Brother, one of these days, the Spirit of the Lord is going to so move over this world. One of these days, until the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. What a great day that's going to be. But I believe the Spirit of the Lord will take over 
Yes, sir, for a thousand years. Jesus Christ shall rule and reign in Jerusalem. That's going to be a wonderful time. The dumb shall speak, and the lame shall leap, and the deaf shall hear, and the Holy Ghost will unstop their ears, and the Spirit of the Lord shall reign for a thousand years with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that he'll be invaded by the Spirit of the Lord. And I believe that just as much as I'm standing here. Let me give you the scenarios. Beloved, I believe there's a man called Nelson Rockefeller that's got power in his mind, hunger in his heart to take over the greatest country that ever was. I don't care whether he's a Democrat, Republican, or Independent. A man that believes what he does about internationalism with Henry Kissinger would bankrupt this country and turn it over to the communists and we'd be in sad shape. And somebody said, well, what can we do? There's only one thing we can do. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Wait on God till revival comes. And when revival comes, brother, God can take care of all the rockies that's ever been. And God can take care of the needs of this country. And God can take care of your need and my need. Because God's power is the greatest power of all. I'm glad he says that power belongs to me. Not to Rocky, not to anybody else. Power 